I am Roy Malloy, and you are listening to The Dawn of Crime. And this one's a special podcast that is a little bit of a bonus because I'm now heavily in the lead-up to the publication of my latest book, which I'm really, really excited about. It's um, the fourth book in the Dawn of Crime series, and it's a, a book specifically about push gangs. Never heard of a push gang, you say? Well, it doesn't surprise me. Um, it's the kind of thing that didn't really make a leap and a translate to uh, the modern era. But uh, push gangs were, look, I mean, it's a gang, ultimately. Um, but a push gang is that you know, quintessential uh, half a dozen male youths standing on a corner, hat tipped to the side, leaning against a wall, and spitting intermittently in shabby clothes. So you're thinking six to sometimes up to 40 guys uh, and they, they kind of come together on the back of a, a joint sense of identity based on perhaps you know an area they're from a pub they drink at a, a, a sport that they play so the push gangs in general uh, and they're nasty business they we kind of think of the past as quaint sometimes but these guys were full-blown horrific they were a menace uh, to the 1890s to the 1910s Squizzy Taylor very famously found his way into two different push gangs, uh, the Burke Street Rats when he was younger, and they're literally what they sound like. They were a, a very young crowd of kids, and they were predominantly pick, pickpockets and petty thieves. Um, and then he made his own push, being the Taylor push, with his older brother Claude. Uh, and some of their some of their doings included um, bashing a young man named William Prentice with steel pipes and... Um, Sorry, iron bars, I should say. I suppose there's a difference. I don't know if I'd want to be hit by either, but iron bars, and and, uh, he was carrying a pistol, and another kid had a lump of wood. So they're they're really nasty business. Um, And they kind of also are the precursor of the 1920s Australian um, gangster activity of the 1920s that included standover men, prostitution rings, cocaine, opium dens, um, a whole lot of handgun use, uh, Long Harry, uh, Henry Stokes, um, Squizzy Taylor, you know, just and Ted Whiting, uh, Whiting, just to name a few. Uh, it, it was a, a real time of identity in the 1890s in the push gangs. But the book that I've published called The Gangs of Melbourne comes out this week uh, on Sunday and it's available for purchase online. And so what I thought I'd do in this quick podcast is, uh, is upload another bunch of things that used to exist that they would have found normal that we now think are truly bizarre or just fascinating. So this list of things is is in keeping with the the last one that I uploaded. Um, I got a lot of really positive responses to that and I'm grateful. So uh, for those of you who wrote to my Facebook page, um, I I will get to your your comments. If you are on the internet, make sure you check out my Facebook page. It's Roy Malloy. And then you've got to also write the word author. and you can check out what I published there because it's slightly different to what I have here. So a little bit more depth when it's written. Um, but what I'm going to be talking about now is the things that used to exist that don't. Passing the time in pubs and clubs, that's a big one. And um, until 1916, it was, you know, late night trading, Friday, Saturday nights, a lot of other nights, depending on who you knew or where you were, you could go to your pub and just hang out for ages. And there's a, there's a very good reason, and it's not just to do with... Um, the cursory thought of alcohol. In that era, uh, the poor weren't just poor, they were excruciatingly poor. And 
a warm room really wasn't warm by heat. It just meant you went into the room and people smiled at you. That, that was a warm room. <laughs> Heating was expensive, um, buying wood or coal. Uh, fun fact about coal and, or coke as another, another product was named, uh, coal, when it burns, it gives off an ash soot, which has a microparticle that almost directly just goes straight into your body at an atom level and causes cancer. Uh, it's far more harmful than you in some ways than tobacco smoke. Um, but people were burning it. I mean, every, they, everybody was burning it. But a pub, if you were poor and had a small house, was a place you could go and be warm by a fire. Um, it was also a place where if you hadn't eaten that day and your choice was to pay uh, maybe as much as a shilling on a cheap meal, you could buy a jug of beer for about that much. So, you know, if you're going to get drunk and fed or just fed, uh, you'd probably choose the alcohol. Another fun fact, if you're going to make uh, ale out of wheat and yeast, you'll get more calories from drinking the ale that you make with the same amount of wheat and yeast as you would if you made it into bread in the first place. You'd also burn more calories making it into bread. Um, so there's a, there's a real argument for <laughs> consuming the wheat as, as uh, beer in that context. Um, the, 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 the other part of having a fire is that it's not just a fire for warmth, candles. Prior to electricity, that was the only light you had. And also candles are expensive. Um, they would often burn tallow candles and you can make a tallow candle reasonably easily. You take a piece of twine and you put it inside a tube, try and keep it in the middle of the cavity of the tube and then you pour hot fat inside it. Uh, the fat goes hard and white over time and then you burn the tallow candle. The difference with tallow candles which is a fat versus um, a bee wax candle which is a wax when a wax candle drips the wax will hit the floor and then it goes hard whereas with a tallow candle it drips but it drips fat onto the floor and that fat is an animal product and it will stench as it rots so you know the houses of the poor that burnt tallow um, for light probably stunk um, and they, they also let off a, a black soot that would have just caked everything because it goes up into the atmosphere of the room but it has to land somewhere and uh, there's you know accounts of people then having black soot in their noses as they blow their nose at the end of the night so it's, it's a pretty gross time to be alive uh, at the time of the push gang um, and so then this probably brings me to one of the last po points of this <laughs> this little upload is horsehair horsehair was used for so many things and um, in an era when a push gang might be hanging around a pub and going inside and sitting in the pub, horsehair was used for furniture padding. So there was horse, horses were a very big part of life, far more common now that we have a, a population in the 20s of millions. With only a population of about five to seven million, there were more horses in Australia back then than there are now, purely because they were in everyday life. And so what happens to a service vehicle when it's done? Well, they've got to do something with it, and its hair was a very useful commodity. They didn't just use it for the padding of furniture. They also used it for the padding in some garments of clothing. The poor usually wore what were called sack suits, S-A-C suits, and it was a suit made from often calico. 
There was once a bag that held fruit or flour, and they'd dye it usually a dark blue. Um, and they look, look like linen, you know, um, but it, it, often they were wrinkly suits that didn't really fit them that well. They were maybe a suit that they bought secondhand. Um, but if you had the money to put a shoulder pad in it or any kind of padding, it was horsehair. I have the um, Salvation Army uniform that my grandfather wore on the boat from Tasmania to, to Victoria when he was 19 in 1939. When he wore that uniform, it had horsehair in the shoulders. Um, and it is, uh, I put it on a couple of times, particularly when I was smaller, <laughs> thinner, I should say. And uh, it, I can't believe anybody could wear that. It prickled like a, well, uh, like a hair vest. Um, <laughs> so there's a couple of fun facts. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed them. I would love you guys to check out more of what I've published by Googling Roy Malloy and The Dawn of Crime, the same name as this podcast because the books have the same name, or jump on my Facebook, which is Roy Malloy Author, and I uh, look forward to the announcements on Sunday where we talk more about where you can get your copy of The Gangs of Melbourne.